There are lots of things a business needs to help it run efficiently. Document management, printing, IT support, digitization, data security and more. As a true managed service provider, Workflow Solutions can help with these and a wide range of other business needs. Saving time and money for businesses across the UK. Help your workflow with Workflow Solutions, the work from anywhere experts. Visit workflo-solutions.co.uk The Go Radio Business Show with Sir Tom Hunter and Lord Willie Hockey with Workflow Solutions. Good morning, Thomas, and welcome back. Thank you, Willie. Thank did, you. Did you have a nice break? Well, I took Marion the Waynes away in my camper van. <laughs> and um, I leave you in charge for a week. And what happens, Willie? <laughs> a lot going on. Hello, campers. Tom, <laughs> <laughs> so, I've got to start with a story of the day. OK. You get out of the sports business too quick. $2.2 million for a pair of trainers. Pair used of, used trainers. A pair of Air Jordans. Um, one careful owner, Michael Jordan. When I was in the business, Willie, um, Nike was the biggest brand in America and Jordan was the second biggest brand, which was a sub-brand of Nike, obviously. Wow. That was how popular Michael Jordan. And even though Michael Jordan's not played sport for what, 20 years? Mm. His brand, the Air Jordans, still are right up there. But I couldn't believe $2.2 million for a for a signed pair of Jordans. As you were saying, I should have gutties. Gutties. <laughs> I'm gutted. I'm no still in the business, Willie. On serious matters, since uh, our last show, we've got a new leader in the country. Yes, indeed. Has your phone rang, Willie? No, I haven't heard from anyone, but to be fair, I'm probably no back for the camping holiday. <laughs> Mine hasn't rang either, but, um, you know, maybe I had it on silent. So to try to keep away from the politics of all that and how does it affect business, it's, it's fair to say that there was promises made, I think, by a couple of the candidates in the, de in the leadership debate that they would certainly have a serious look at the, the DRS, the, the bottle return scheme, and that hasn't happened. So I wonder, you know, if the new First Minister will have it as a priority, because certainly I've seen during the week there again that I think the big five supermarkets are all saying this is a disaster. And I don't think anybody's saying it because it costs them money. I think they're just saying it is not well thought through. So I wonder if he is going to revisit it. Yeah, well, I mean, goodness. I guess, Wally, from a business point of view, what do we want from our government? What do we actually want? What, what I always say is we want them to be honest. Um, we want them to set a framework and then we want them to get out of the way so that business just gets on with it and we do our thing with little engagement with politicians because I'm fed up with them, Willie, if I'm perfectly honest. I think there is a good parallel here, though. I've had time to think about this. And first of all, I'm, I'm gutted for Scotland. Scotland is now, it's a bit of a laughing stock, Willie, what's yeah. going on. I know we laugh about camper vans and all the rest of it. And if it wasn't so serious, I think it would be funny. But I think what's happened here, there's an arrogance comes with being in power too long. 15 years is too long. And I've, and I've seen it in business. I've seen leaders of businesses and then they begin to believe their own PR and then they begin to not listen to 
the dissenting voices or people who would question, no, no, I, I know what I'm doing. So, you know, how many members do we have? No, you don't need to know that. You know, oh, right, okay. How's our finances? Oh, no, you don't need to know about that. We know best. And whenever I see that in business and a leader, no, 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 not willing to take on the challenge or not willing to actually engage in the debate, then it's time for a change. Well, many things have happened over the last couple of weeks. I mean, just when you think it can't get worse, right, it does. But again, going back to business terms, and, and this is for, for the listeners, that there's nothing more embarrassing in business terms when your auditors sack you. <laughs> uh, I mean, that would get alarm bells ringing anywhere. Has it ever happened to you, Willie? Never. It's never, never happened to it's me. It's never happened. Yet. Uh, well, well what, what happens is, is that, you know, so, so that people know this, that auditors would only do that if there was something alarming when they don't want to be associated with you. So I think of all the revelations of the last few weeks, the police, you know, the embarrassment of the police tents outside your house, camper vans getting towed away, all of that. I mean, that's that's all bad enough, and you're right, it makes us look like a bit of laughing stock. But the biggest worry of everything, the revelations is, is that this was a, a party that promised, you know, transparency, and it's anything but. I mean, they weren't even honest with themselves. No. They had, they had a conference a few months ago and didn't bother to tell the members that the auditors had quit. And for the for the new first minister to say that he only found out last week is is is, is real damning, and and I, I hope that the effect you're right. For, we're 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 we want to get back to the the nitty gritty, get back to the things that affect business. We're talking about the bottle return scheme, the rent freeze bill, which is another shambles. So hopefully that we can put all this you know behind in the next few weeks and go on. We try to run the country, but it doesn't look good at all. Well. I was I was worried, Willie, when our new first minister was asked why did Johnson Carmichael resign, and he said, "I can't tell you that." So that continues. He's the continuity candidate, and that continues this non-transparent form of government, and it's not good enough for us, and it's not good enough for Scotland, Willie, and I'm fed up. Do you think Kate Forbes is having a wee party just now saying that she'd maybe dodged a bullet? <laughs> I think she's dodged a big bullet. But, you know, on a, on a serious note, while all this is going on, who is worrying about the health service and seven-year waiting lists? Yeah. Who's worrying about the education service and as falling down global leagues of performance? Who's worrying about the economy? You know, and they're all infighting and doing whatever they're doing. But I had, I had one political question for you this morning, Wally. Do you think that they should run the leadership campaign again because new information's came to light and the members may have voted differently. 100%. So you believe that? 100%. All of the revelations of the last few weeks make the result tainted. And that's not against, for all the candidates, that that was not, um, what I would say, it was not an open and clean contest. If people would have known some of these revelations and, and, and then, I think it'd be different. So I definitely think there's a case for Ash Regan and Kate Forbes to be asking to rerun the, 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 the leadership campaign again.
And do you think it would be, I mean, a, we're, we're pure conjecture here, but do you, do you think it would be a different result because continuity is not cutting it, is it? Well, it's not, but to be fair, I mean, for the country, it's not good. But I would say if I was Kate Forbes, you know, who was a close second, I would not want, I, w I would be happy to leave the people with the mess that's there at the moment. Um, and then I, I would say there's a good chance that the SNP could have a new leader within 18 months. And I believe some of them are saying that because of the, unfortunately, the, the, the mess that um, the First Minister has inherited. So do you think it's fair to say that it's going to get worse before it gets better, Willie? Oh, there's no doubt in that. There's right. no doubt in that. More and more will come out. So, I mean, from a business point of view, and that's, you know, we're on the Go Radio Business Show, as I say, you know, what do businesses want from their government? They want to set a, a common sense policy agenda and then get out the way and let business go on with it. And all this noise, and it is just noise, but it's not good enough because Scotland's become a laughing stock, in my opinion, and I'm fed up with it. Let's move to the bigger stage. The IMF announcements yesterday in New York. Yes. I thought that, I thought that was a bit of a contradiction some of the things that they had to say. Obviously, there was some good news, but the headline that we're maybe heading towards a perilous situation in the world economy, without putting any more meat in the bone, and then following that up by, there is a good chance that we'll go back to ultra-low um, interest rates very, very soon, which is great news, but I couldn't actually follow, you know, what they were saying. Well, I think, you know, what what is the IMF... They're a bunch of economists. Yeah. And as I've always said in this show, the economists have predicted nine out of the last three recessions. <laughs> so they're just guessing, Willie. Yeah. Um, but what I thought, and sorry to bring it back to politics again, but the UK is still going to be the worst performing developed economy. Yeah. And why? Well, let's be honest. Let's not be like our politicians. Brexit. We were lied to by our politicians down south in Westminster once again. Where is the 750 million every week coming back to our health service? Doesn't seem to be going in there, Willie. I think it was 350. Well, 350. Well, listen, I can make up numbers as, as good <laughs> as any good politician. Name, name. <laughs> but I think you're right, it was 350. But, and I said it at the time, you know, this is nonsense. Yeah. And this is going to do harm. And it is doing harm. And businesses who want a bigger market to play in, Europe is now not really open to them because of all the friction of trade. Yeah. And it's unbelievable. And once again, politicians lied to us. They had some clever sound bites, take back control, control of what? And it ends up that the hardworking business folks in the UK pick up the price for our corrupt politicians. I had to laugh. It was incredible that Jeremy Hunt was trying to take credit. You know, that the IMF had said that Britain will be slightly ahead in their <laughs> growth terms, but it was only because of the disaster of Liz Truss that they're trying to take credit for that. But, but it is, in, in business terms, Tom, and for the people, you know, listening, growth... And your GDP is everything. And, and to say that the UK is going to fall behind the rest of Europe, and, and you're absolutely right, 100% that most of this is down to Brexit. You right? know, we, we get people trying to retrofit their answers, Willie, to, to justify. It was a wrong decision. Mm -hmm. And we were given 
the wrong sound bites by the wrong people. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, I am fed up today. More good news. It looks like, you know, the indicators are the energy costs seem to be stabilising and, right. and going down. And, and I think that, um, you know, that this can only be good because there's certainly a lot of businesses out there suffering because of the energy prices. So that, again, you know, in the last two weeks is more good news that we're bringing to the listeners. On that theme of energy, obviously we've had some fantastic feedback from our last guest before the break, Professor Sir Jim MacDonald. I think I've had more positive feedback about Jim than any other guest we've, yeah. that we've had. And so people brilliant. seem to be getting behind the fact that, you know, that we are promoting that Scotland could lead the world in clean energy. And obviously after listening um, to, to Jim, then, you know, that enhanced that, our beliefs. So I just think that we, so, so that people know, we will be harping on about this every single week until someone listens to us at the government Let's get some, you know, let's call it a think tank, whatever we can do here to get more power behind Jim's elbow to see what we can do. I mean, some of the revelations that we could be exporting clean power, you know, in no time at all. It's going to need investment, but we need to bring people together. I had a guy come to see me this week talking about um, geothermal and he's uh-huh. got all these ideas for the Clyde he knows what he's talking about he's been he's been involved in oil and gas exploration all over the world for the past 40 years a boy called Bill Henderson and he's got these ideas that where he's got people like Halliburton huge American infrastructure company you know interested if they can just get the seed funding to get started to get if they can get the sites then I think that you know cu- coupled with what Jim was saying and working with Jim in this to prove that I mean, we're talking about boring down 6,000 feet. Wow. Right, to get to the core, to, to bring energy, you know, from, from, from the centre of the earth, basically, drilling down that far. But there is loads of great ideas. Technology is moving on. We want to, you know, get right behind Jim and all the things they're trying to do. And it's great. I hope that Jim continues to be an advisor to the new First Minister. Yep. I don't see why that wouldn't be the case. So keep listening and learning and, and hopefully over the next few weeks that we can maybe start to pull some clever people together to discuss it further. I think we've got to keep banging that drum, Willie. And another bit of good news, I, I talked about what the Hunter Foundation was doing with its pre-scalers. So this is for businesses that are in the early stages, Willie, which is, you know, we've talked about it a lot. The early stages of a business are the loneliest time, the most difficult time. You don't know what you don't know and you're kind of trying to get your business and it's it's difficult. So we put it out there to see, right, does MD want a bit of help with this? We called it the pre-scaler, doing it with Scottish Edge. And the great news for me is we were oversubscribed by, you know, a huge amount. So we've actually decided to run two pre-scalers at the same time because this is pulling entrepreneurs together. They will learn from each other. They'll build their networks and they will actually learn from people who've been there and done it. So we're going to launch two pre-scalers down at Blair Estate in May. And I was over the moon about the quality. So once again, forget the government, we're just getting on with it and businesses are working hard to grow. You said that about learning 
I could not believe this week when I seen that the UK Green Party want to follow in the footsteps of the Greens in Scotland by they think that the answer to homelessness and affordable housing is a rent freeze. Do these people not talk to each other? <sighs> Have they no idea that in the last six weeks the whole thing has fallen apart completely in Scotland? Well, listen, I was grumpy at the beginning. Don't get me grumpier, Willie. Talking about innovation. Yes. Scotland will be the first place to try a driverless bus. Really? Yes. What's uh, Brian Souter saying about it that? Is, well, no, it's Brian Souter's at the heart of it. Right. Right. So hopefully in the next few weeks there's going to be a 14-mile journey with a driverless bus. Wow. Right. So my worry about that is, remember when I was a kid on the buses coming back for the tune? Back Red in the Farney, old days. On the buses, Willie. <laughs> coming back in the tune at half eleven. Who's going to stop the singing and the fighting? <laughs> or who's going to encourage it? Right. Uh, uh, and who's going to pay? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad Scotland's leading that innovation. And, um, yeah, we will look forward to updates from the driverless bus. We've got a driverless country right now, so another driverless bus to add to it. We, we have to mention, obviously, the debacle at the CBI this week, obviously, because it's supposed to be representing business. But um, obviously, Tony Danker had been suspended uh, and then it came out, out of the blue yesterday that he, there was more revelations and he was actually sacked. And in the morning, it looked as if everyone was OK and he was willing to accept that. But then in the afternoon, uh, he had a bit more to say where... He was saying that he never seen that coming. He thought he was going to be interviewed. He was actually, I think the word he used was gobsmacked to find that that was the case. So I don't know, um, I don't know where this is going to go, but obviously this is a body, you know, I know I know Brian McBride, the, the chair yeah, and part I of the board. I know Brian as well. Right, so, so he's a, and he's a good lad. He's a good so Scotsman. He's probably going to take all his skills to get a wee bit of credibility back to the, to the CBI. I think they were getting plaudits that it happened quickly, but I did read Tony Danker saying, yeah, it happened so quickly, I didn't even get my side of the story over. Yeah. So guilty, or sorry, innocent until proven guilty, not guilty until proven innocent. <laughs> <laughs> let's, finish, let, let's finish with more good news. More good news, Willie, come on. Our great friend of the show, Stuart Patrick, uh -huh. right, the head of the Chamber of Commerce, has uh, said that it is green shoots now in relation to the city centre. Fantastic. Right, so people are getting back to work. I think some of the shops are getting a wee turn. Uh, I must admit, I was in the town last week, uh, twice, Friday and Saturday. It didn't look over busy, but some of the places, you know, looked a bit buoyant. There was a wee, a wee buzz about the place. Yeah. Um, I didn't see it, you know, back to pre-pandemic rates of the, you know, the, 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 you could always tell, Tom, how busy the tuna is with a queue in the chippy. Right. <laughs> I'm normally in the so, queue, yeah, really. And I was in your favourite chippy. I was in the Blue Lagoon. Were you? And Friday night and Saturday so night. still as good? Does it so, keep oh, up the standards? Still as good. Still as good. Um, <laughs> and, and what's brilliant is when you when you hear some of the youngins in the queue that are maybe, there's a wee twang, you know, maybe for Falkirk or for East Lothian or whatever, and you can see they're still baffled by the bright lights and you can get salt and vinegar free in all your chips. No that's salt and sauce, Willie. Really. That's always puzzling. So, uh, Stuart, hopefully you're right, hopefully it'll continue. Well, let's hope so. But the other thing which you were telling me was there are businesses, hospitality businesses, because you would read the papers and think it's all it's all you know on its knees and all the rest of it. But new formats, 
Could entrepreneurs coming up with what the customers want? And you were telling me there were queues out a couple of venues in the city centre. So some entrepreneurs are just getting on with it, Willie. Well, hopefully the, the the young man that you're talking about, you know, Kevin Martin, we'll have him on the show in Let's the hope, next yeah. in the next few weeks. But uh, they uh, at Kong and the Wonder Bar and now the new Wonder Ballroom are absolutely killing it. I mean, there's still queues down the street, so we, we can't wait. You're right, that's a great story. Uh, and if there's anybody out there, right, that, 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 that they are buzzing, that their place is growing, the places are great, get in touch with us yeah. and we'll give you a shout out, right? So good luck to everybody out there that is striving to thrive. Good news, Willie. Coming next, Hunter and Hockey chat to Tommy Cook, CEO of Calmex Solutions. The Go Radio Business Show with Workflow Solutions, part of the Scottish Procurement Framework for Managed Print Solutions, available to all public sector bodies and charities. Go Radio. There are lots of things a business needs to help it run efficiently. Document management, printing, IT support, digitisation, data security and more. As a true managed service provider, Workflow Solutions can help with these and a wide range of other business needs, saving time and money for businesses across the UK. Help your workflow with Workflow Solutions, the work from anywhere experts. Visit workflo-solutions.co.uk. The Go Radio Business Show with Hunter and Hockey. This week's special guest is Tommy Cook, CEO of Calnex Solutions. Tommy has over 40 years' experience in telecoms test and measurement instrumentation. Tommy, good morning and welcome to the programme. It's good to be here. Morning, Tommy. Good morning. Another guest who Willie and I don't actually know, but we've read the notes and I can't wait to hear your story, Tommy. Oh dear. Well, I hope I don't disappoint <laughs> anyway, Tom. <laughs> I'm sure you won't. So you want to start by telling listeners a wee bit about yourself, background, you know, growing up, whatever, and how you've managed to get to where you are today. Yeah, I've had a fairly straightforward life, I guess. I grew up near Stranraer, in a wee village, Port Logan, way down in down there. Came up to Paisley, did a degree up there, and then I got a job with what was Hewlett Packard in South Queens Ferry. Right. Expected to do 40 years and retire, and it kind of went pear-shaped after 23 <laughs> years when they closed the division down. And then I inadvertently started a company to create employment for myself. Because right, I so guess... hang on, Tommy. This is, this is sounding a bit too easy. So you were 23 years with Hewlett Packard. Yeah. And then out of adversity, because they closed, right. so what Tell me the thinking about starting your business because I think the listeners would really enjoy that. It was quite a bizarre thing, really, because I had been with been HP and then they changed the name to Agilent for, for 23 years. Right. They closed the division down um, and I kind of had to find out. I had been an engineering manager, so I was looking for a job as an engineering manager in a large multinational, which there wasn't very many in central Scotland. Uh, and then I accidentally came in contact with a guy, Campbell Murray, at Scottish Enterprise. And I was really speaking to him to get him to introduce me to people because I just had no vis... Because I'd expected to do my whole career there, I had no visibility of what was going on to find jobs. And it came through a discussion with him that um, I could maybe start a company. And I kind of made this set of slides up because I really wanted him to introduce me to more of the people in SE that were right. speaking to companies. And uh, so I made this set of slides up on how to start a company. And I was going to present to them all, mainly just so I could meet them, not to start a company. Uh-huh. And I made this set of slides up, and I, I kid you not, I, I sat back and read them, and I thought, 
That's quite credible. <laughs> if, I, if I had never met Campbell, I'd never made the slides, I wouldn't have started the you company. You don't think you'd have started? No, nah, I wouldn't have. So well done, Campbell, well done. Well, thank yeah. goodness you did. Absolutely. Yeah. And I guess I just went in. I think I had the right, in hindsight, I think I had the right attitude. I wasn't religious about it. I thought it might work. Right. Um, but really, my view was that if I could keep it going for six months, my problem was my CV was a big company experience. Sure. So I had all that at one end of the, sp the spectrum. And I thought, well, if I can keep Calnex going for six months, then I've worked on both ends of the spectrum and everything in the middle is a variation at the end, you know, gives the job back into that. Right. And I still think I, actually it was added value. I, got, I learned a lot even through that first period. So, and it's one of the things I always think people say it's a high risk starting a company. I disagree with that. You have to manage your money. Don't put your house in the line. Don't be crazy. Right. You've been you listening kinda, to the show. I yeah. did that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, if you look over five years, and I still believe even if Calnex had only existed for six, nine months, I was a more valuable commodity to my next employer that over five years I'd earn more money. So it wasn't a high risk. It actually was a low risk. It's, you just have a period where you don't earn much money and you need to manage that situation. I think your, your story, Tommy, is brilliant because it says entrepreneurs come in all shapes and sizes and this yeah. this myth that you know entrepreneurs leave school without any qualifications and instantly do it i mean that, that's just not correct and do you think you would have started a business in your 20s or do you think you had to go through your kind of apprenticeship yeah absolutely i, I so i was in my mid 40s when i started right i would say i could not have started in my 20s and right. probably not in the 30s because it was the sector experience I had to go wandering on my own into companies like Ericsson, Huawei, and sit down with engineering managers and have a credible discussion with them about what their challenges were, what their test needs were, right. know the technology. So that 10, 15 years of sector knowledge was absolutely essential. So, and you're right, I think it's one area we focus a lot on entrepreneurs, the people that are young. Now, they're full of energy, right? Let's Aye. not kid them. Sure. And they've got ideas and things, but... There are places you, you need experience yeah. and there's not enough focus on people that are in their 30s and 40s and actually, you know, giving them the environment, the safe environment to step out and actually have a go and see what, what can yeah. happen. So this is 2006. You're, the, yeah. you're now known as the reluctant entrepreneur, <laughs> right? <laughs> Just before the crash, yeah, yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah. So tell, tell our listeners how you managed to, you know, get the funding to start and how you started the business. And, and, and tell us what your business is. So what we do is we make electronic test instrumentation for the telecommunications industry. Right. So before they install any equipment, before they build new switches, routers, base stations, you know, these towers at the side of the road, the R&D teams have to, they're very complex pieces of equipment. They need to test them to make sure once they're deployed, they'll work under every scenario. So we create equipment that allows them to prove that performance. There's international standards, so they have to prove the work to that. So our products are very technically complex. Uh, they're high value, low volume. So if I give you an, ex an example, our lead product, the Paragon Neo, the average sale price for it, it's a single box, it's what a kind of meter wide, half a meter high, is about 150,000 pounds. Wow. Um, it's very complex, you know, there's 17,000 components in there, we're using leading edge technology. It measures the accuracy of transfer time to a nanosecond, which if you <laughs> wonder why you want to do that, well, they kind of, to get accurate time through the network, which is more and more required, um, every piece of equipment needs to be able to transfer it accurately. And that's what we prove the ability of individual switches or routers to transfer time from its input to output 
in a billionth of a second. So I'm intrigued, Tommy. So that was that what you were doing for Hewlett Packard, or see, I I worked in the sector. It was interesting. The first grant I got, it was one of these to allow you to go and develop the idea. Yeah. And uh, it was a wee bit tongue-in-cheek, but I probably was different. Most technology companies I can see start with a product and then go looking for a customer. I started with a customer and went looking for a product. Ah, and I right. actually had an idea for a product, and I presented it saying, I know Telecom's test, I've been in it 20 years, I know the technologies, I know what's happening, I know the people, I just need to figure out a product. And actually, my first idea of the product was not what I ended up we made. No, I actually stumbled. You just kind of went by in speaking to them. I stumbled across this unmet need. But you of were listening to the customers. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. That's, that's a great lesson for the listeners this morning. Listen. <laughs> you have to listen. That's where I get all my ideas is listening to other people, not sitting on your own. Um, and it's finding out what they've got, what their problems are. And I always say to, uh, to our guys, don't ask the customer how what he needs in a test equipment. Ask him what his problem is. Our value is that we can create test equipment to solve his problem. They make switches and routers that don't make test equipment. So you understand their problem and then you have to figure out the solution to their problem and that's where you added value. So if you just do Probably. what they, they ask, then they're telling everybody else that. So and where are you based? So uh, most of our sites in Linlithgow. Yeah. Uh, so we've now got about 160 people in the company. Fantastic. There's about 100 in Linlithgow. We've, got, we've done a couple of acquisitions, small acquisitions. So we've got a team in Belfast, we've got a team in Stevenage, and then we've got about 20 people scattered around the world, China, India, right. the US, because we've only ever sold about 3% of everything we sell in the UK. Um, only last year I managed to sell something in Scotland. I got really? quite excited about that. <laughs> so it's all overseas. Never had a customer wow. up until last year that in Scotland. But I think so I said in this programme, I don't have a customer in Scotland. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't but, know I, but I thought you were weird, Willie. I am weird. <laughs> so I'm glad <laughs> to meet you, Tommy. Glad to meet you. Well, I'm glad to meet somebody that's not as weird as me. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> but that's amazing, isn't it? That there was the. But you've got a customer in Scotland now. Yeah, we do. Right. Because they're now looking. But most of our, I mean, the first seven units we sold were to seven different countries, you know. So we've sold in 68 countries around the world. Telecoms very much is a global market. I'm Even all the big manufacturers have sites in every country around the world. So you yeah. can't just say, hey, let's focus in the US, let's focus in China, because they've got design teams in all these places and they all speak to one another. So if you can't go everywhere, you're likely not to get any of the business because they want all their teams to be using the same equipment. So yeah. it never really was an option to be just in one place. It kind of was always the, so, the inherent nature. Tommy, let, let me ask the question I ask all businesses coming in here. Why Scotland then? This is where I was born. <laughs> this is where I live. I mean, I had a job when I met Campbell. I actually had a job off on Southampton. And I could have, you know, and I ended up having Christmas 05 was to have a go at this company because I'd, I'd done this presentation just before Christmas. And he and, and it was either do I have a pop at this or do I take this job as an engineering manager in Southampton and travel up and down and I didn't fancy it. And I kind of thought, you know, as I said at the beginning, I thought, this might work. There's a good chance it wouldn't work. Actually, I sometimes wonder if I knew what it would have come today. I might have spooked myself and never <laughs> yeah. tried it because I wouldn't have been breathing. Yes, yeah, definitely. <laughs> but I thought, well, you never know. And it might be, having been in a company doing five years of downsizing, as you've been there, it's a very negative, hard environment. I just felt something fresh and new and I thought, I'll have a crack at it. So is the big telecom providers your customers, your Correct. customer base? Yeah. yeah. 
And so this programme is all about, you know, we get people and we're trying to help, right? Do you do anything in India? We do in India, yeah. yeah. Uh, we sell in India and we sell in China. We do sell you sell anything to Barty Telecoms? Uh, I don't think we've yeah. sold to them. So they're the largest there and I know the owner. So right. I know Samuel <laughs> Mattel, our friend, who used to own Glen Eagles. Yep. Uh, Good friend okay, of mine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I will definitely, after this, get your details and see if there's anything you can do for them. Yeah. A wee commission would be good. Well, right? okay, can <laughs> I could be your man in India. <laughs> <laughs> but what you were saying about Scotland, there's no kind of why Scotland. I would say why not. There is absolutely no reason. Actually, this is a great place to be because all you need to be is near the talented people, not yeah. the customers. Our customers are everywhere, so I can't be, you know, in different businesses, maybe you need to be there. But it's basically as long as you can get the talent. And in this country, again, when you build a company, it is about, you know, I always say to people when they arrive, they all get a, a discussion about what we call our behaviours rather than a culture. I always think culture is a bit pretentious sounding. Right. And some people say it's a discussion, others say it's a lecture. But um, one of the things I always say to people is, I'm not responsible for your career. That's your problem. I'm only, there's 160 people in this company. I'm only responsible for my career. What I'm responsible for is creating an environment you want your career to be here. You choose to stay here. I need to create that environment. And, and in Scotland, people are sticky. If you give them opportunity, they want, and it's not, you need to give them a good benefits package, but they want, these are professional people. They want to be challenged, an environment that they feel valued. If you create that, they don't leave. They will stay with you. Yeah. And if you go places like California, I go to a lot, Tel Aviv a lot, they can't keep people at desks. They move all the time. So Scotland is a good place. There is no reason here that you can't grow a company in this country. Love Absolutely it. none. Love it. And, and where do you think, um, Tommy, because you're, you're showing the absolute traits of being an entrepreneur, even though you're playing it down. So the, the talk about culture and creating this place where you're taking care of your people and but they're they're responsible for their for their own careers. I like I, I love that. Where does that come from? Does that come from you watching it work or not work in bigger companies? Or how 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 did you come up with that for, for your own business? Yeah, we've all got our own biases. I really think when I started the company, it was a huge learning experience. Um, and I, one of the things I learned, because HP had, in, in the test instrumentation world, it is, for years, the gold standard. Everybody right. wanted, whether you're buying a telescopes, voltmeters, telecoms test. And I thought people bought from the badge. But I started to realise in a startup world, people don't buy from the badge. The company is just a piece of paper. The company is the people. It is the people. So if you like the people, you like the company. You don't like the people, you don't like the company. And I realised standing in front of people on my own rather than having a whole team behind it, I had to get them to buy into that. And fundamentally, one of the great things of starting your own company is you can create a company you want to work in. I wanted to be respected. I want people to listen to me. I want people to not always do what I, you know, I don't ask people to do what I say, but take on board. So it was creating an environment that... Because the one thing I noticed in my past life, when people are committed to a company, they, they give you something extra. They, it's hard for them to explain it because they're all professionals. They think they're working their best. But when they're totally committed to the company, they do something better. So to create an environment mm -hmm. where everybody felt valued, felt part of the company, were willing to put themselves out, were willing to push it, um, to me that was how you'd be successful. So making the environment good for the people it's not about is it good for the business or good for the people. It's one and the same thing. Because yeah. if people are driven, that is what gets them to deliver the best for the business. How did, how did you fund it, Tom, in the early days? It was virtually, 
a bit of grant. I got it. Fortunately, when I got my daughters from my last business, uh, I got a, a redundancy package, so that allowed me to kind of self-fund for a period. I think I managed... I hope my wife doesn't listen to this, because I think <laughs> we just about burnt every bit of savings we had along the way. I got grant funding. It, Scottish Enterprise have always been good to us. Yeah, very good. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, great. Well, good shout-out then. Scottish Enterprise, another success story. <laughs> I hope Adrian's listening this, this And I hope Campbell's it? listening, so yes. well done to Campbell. Oh, no, unfortunately, Campbell passed away a few oh, years ago. Oh. A really sad guy because he was a he was a force of nature that guy he really yeah. was, but you're you're right you know it wasn't just the because Campbell gave me that mentoring experience the grants I got as well the money was good so we always got great and of course we ticked a lot of boxes being it's virtually all professionals manufactured we here we manufactured here it's all exported so yeah we've always had good support so through that first couple of years it was mainly grant then we brought in equity investment in 2007 it was the discovery investment syndicate at that time right. and Anne Budge came on board and okay. joined at that time as well they were the early investors and then we pretty much managed without a lot of additional investment except for when the, the banks tried to bring the world down we had to bring a wee bit more equity because we were we'd only been selling for 18 months so we there wasn't much hysteresis in the company and suddenly everybody froze. We couldn't get any orders for three months. And then they all came out because, as you remember, it was just everybody panicked around the whole thing. So we raised a little equity then and then we didn't really raise any more equity, some loans up until we floated the company in 2020. Did, did Anne bring anything more to the party than investment? Did she help you? Was she... Anne's always, she's been on the board. She's just recently left the yeah. board. She's always been a huge support, Anne. To yeah. me. Um, she's, she's been tremendous. She's got a lot of experience. She's interested in board meetings, which doesn't make me saying, but she doesn't say a lot. But when she speaks, everybody listens to her. Uh, uh, she kind of says things when she's got things that are valuable to say, a lot of experience. So, they're yeah, the best non exec directors to have. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but always been a great comfort and help at times. We've all had our troubles along the, the way since she's Tell been. Tell us there. a wee bit, obviously. So you, you went into the AIM market. How did that come about? Well, yeah, well, our chairman at the time was George Elliott, another well-kent face around the technology world. And uh, we kind of got to 2016, 17, and we were clear on a strategy, which was to keep, we have to keep finding new things to do. It's not like you build one widget and you're finished. You have to keep the standards, the, the technology is continually moving. You need to keep up with it. And so we decided that we were going to do organic and inorganic growth. Organic meaning we were going to find ideas, develop solutions, build them ourselves, etc. Inorganic, buy other companies. Because we had actually uh, um, acquired a, pl- a product off somebody else, which actually was hard work transferring it to our own engineering teams. But it showed that you could, you could, we could do that. And so there was a way to grow through that way. Um, and then we realised we just didn't have the financial structure aligned, i.e., getting money was too expensive. There was money out there, but were you willing to pay for it? So it was either bring in a new equity investor or float the company. And we decided to try and float it. We brought in Senkos, who are our brokers. And I thought they would come in and look. Again, it shows I didn't think we were enough or something to be floating the company. Right. And they come in and they said, well, we'll value the company for you. And I expected them to come back and say, well, you're not enough this, you're not profitable enough, you're not enough that. And they went, no, no, we think we can get you away. And the price that they, they thought we could get away with, we thought that would be good. So, and I was always, I think I'm, I try and be a nice guy, but I think I'm a control freak now, unfortunately. <laughs> so, That's what Hamsey's all, Hamsey's all. 
I, you know, I, I always was slightly concerned that a, a big equity investor would want to control the company, would want to kind of change the strategic direction, say you need to be doing this. Uh-huh. Whereas by being floated, you know, we are still who we are. We're quite proud of who we are as a company, the culture, the behaviours, and we felt we could still be who we were, but obviously get that financial backing. So we just decided to have a go. We started in 2020 in January, going through the whole process. A pandemic kicked in, which kind of nobody <laughs> expected. And we thought, well, we'll just keep going. We'll get everything ready. There's a lot of work to be done and kind of preparation. Uh, and initially we were told, no, no, you won't get any investor unless you can sit in the room with them. So you have to wait until the meeting, because by July that year it was becoming clear, you know, this thing wasn't going away very quickly. And suddenly London changed that they actually would take Zoom calls. So we did the full flotation where we met 45 companies in nine days, 45 meetings in nine days. It was brain-numbing, let me tell you, <laughs> without being in a room with anybody. In fact, we were six months floated before we actually met a single investor in person. So we were one of the first because up until that, you couldn't get anybody to do it that way. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and again... You know, it's not great, but we were the first company in Scotland in two years to float. I don't think that's great, if yeah. you don't mind me saying. No, <laughs> I don't know why it doesn't, but it doesn't sound great. So you would you would say it's been a good experience for you? It has been a good experience. You know, at the end of the day, if I'd had enough money to do it all without any investors, I'd have probably been happy. But, you know, I always knew this was going to cost, when I did that original presentation, I thought it would cost 400000 to get a product to market. And I didn't have that money. So, uh, and in the end, it cost us three quarters of a million. So there was always the need to bring in investors. They're not doing it out of charity. You know, they're, they're putting the money in, they're expecting a return. You know, you need to respect that. Um, so I've always had in my mind there was other groups involved. So going into working in the stock market was just a different group of investors. So it just was part of the ecosystem. But it has been good for the company. It's raised a profile. I think the whole share ownership, we've always had share options and things, but we can get more and more people involved in that, people under, you know, the staff mm-hmm. get involved in that. They can see when the share price goes up that their share options or the SIP, you know, the shares that they've got uh, go up in value as well, and that's good to get everybody tied into the value. You know, so you've, value. you've used it as a way to retain the talent yeah. and keep the talent happy. And have you been... A, Talking about Scotland being this brilliant place, and obviously Willie and I think it is this brilliant place, but it's great to hear from yourself. Um, do you think there's enough talent coming out of the universities? And um, what do you think about that whole thing about the talent pool? No. There's no. not. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've had a, we've been hiring a lot of people. I mean, we've grown a lot in the last three years. And fortunately, we had a license to hire people from overseas. We've been bringing people in because you just can't get especially experienced, talented people. Right. They're staying at their desks, they're not moving. So we we could not have grown if we hadn't had the ability to bring people in. We've brought them in from Turkey, India, uh, all over the world. Um, there's not enough rented accommodation in this country. It's another big problem trying to get people settled in. Yep. They're not refugees. These people are coming for opportunity. And we had one case, a guy went away again because his wife couldn't settle yeah. If, he's, if your partner's not settling, you're not settling, no, end of yeah. story. So there definitely is a shortage of people. There's not enough people with with that kind of... And I almost think we should call it technology around engineering. When you hear engineering and young people hear it, I think they think we go around the brain with hammers and spanners and hit things. <laughs> you sit at a workstation, you solve problems, you solve technical problems, you never... You end up with soft hands like mine, you know, you never hit anything. So... Um, there isn't enough people, we don't seem to be doing enough for young people, to, especially young women, 
to get them interested in, in a technology career. So uh, in the last two minutes that we have, Tommy, what, if anything, could the government do to make things easier for you? Oof. <laughs> I mean, international trade fairs, do they help? Do Scottish Enterprise help you with I that? I think it's more local. I think it is about encouraging, uh, you know, uh, getting more people in the universities, staying in the career, creating that ecosystem. At the moment, you know, the lack of rented accommodation, the more of these sort of things. Who in Scotland would you see as a potential customer at the moment that don't buy off you? Well, we do have a lot of customers in Scotland. That's part of the, the problem. There's not a lot of people... It's more some of the operators now that, you know, if there was data centres coming to this country, that might be all. There used to be, you remember, thus the technology uh -huh. company, but yes. then they got acquired, they merged with, I can't remember, was it one of the English uh, or the other UK companies, and then they moved their R&D, because so there's not real R&D and development up here in the telecoms world, so there's not a lot of customers for us. Yeah. But, you know, that's just been my life. It's always been go somewhere else to get my right. customers. But I get the people here, and that's where I need them. Tommy, what a story. Thank you so much for sharing with us. I'm sure the listeners have loved it. Well, I hope it's been of some use. So I think it's a great advert for Scotland. Um, why Scotland? Why not? Exactly. <laughs> Love the story, Tommy. Love it. Thanks Thank very you. much, guys. Thank Good you. luck. Thank you. Great pleasure. The Go Radio Business Show with Workflow Solutions, turning your paper-based processes into organised and digital workflows. Go. There are lots of things a business needs to help it run efficiently. Document management, printing, IT support, digitization, data security, and more. As a true managed service provider, Workflow Solutions can help with these and a wide range of other business needs. Saving time and money for businesses across the UK. Help your workflow with Workflow Solutions, the work from anywhere experts. Visit workflo-solutions.co.uk. The board you can't afford. This is the Go Radio Business Show with Hunter and Hockey. Tom, I've had an email this week. Okay. Okay. Guy's a founder of a Scottish business. He's seen rapid growth over the last two years. He's got over 20 staff. He's started with 20 staff. He's got over 150 staff today. And he's run the business with four other directors. And recently the board have been pushing me to consider if they're, right, if they're the right people to grow further. He feels a huge amount of loyalty to them. They've helped him build the business. But he's got to be honest, he can't make his mind up whether they're the right people to take it to the next level. So he's asking, does loyalty trump skills? Well, this is a question, Willie, that we get all the time in Scale Up Scotland, you know, which we do trying to help entrepreneurs scale their business. And um, it's probably the hardest job of the founder because um, what... What gives you as the founder the skill that has the skill to start a business but then has the skill to run it if it's 50 people, 100 people? You know, there are very different skills. But as the founder, you've got to make the hard decisions. And this is all about saying, right, where is it we want to go? And it's people who are going to get you there. And you need to have a long, hard look and sometimes the hard decisions are that the people who helped you in the beginning are not the people who are going to get you to the next level. And that's an honest conversation. And not everybody will agree with you, but as the founder, the buck stops with you. And this is where, when we at Scale Up Scotland bring people together, they, they talk about that founder to founder. 
And it is a problem halved because this is probably the most difficult thing you'll ever do as a founder. How have you approached it, Willie? Well, this is a very good question. And I think that probably I'm in a unique position to answer this. My business over the years, fortunately, in various passages took a quantum Right. right, so I went from a 30 million turnover to 120 million overnight with the introduction of cleaning. Right. So there is absolutely no doubt in my experience that some of the guys that started in the journey with me are still with me today. Great. But there's absolutely no doubt there were stages in my in my story where I had to bring in people that were better than the people that I had. So, but but the good thing is is that if you're doing this while you're growing, it doesn't necessarily mean that you lose the people no. that have been good. You find the level that they're good at. You take care of them. You keep them. And I don't think I've ever got rid of anyone because we were moving on and we needed better people. Right. So I would think that, and I'm kind of, you know, thinking as, as I'm talking here, that I don't think I've ever got rid of anyone because that we were going to the next level. I always found the correct position for them at their level. And I don't think I've ever had any animosity about how we've dealt with that. But there is absolutely no doubt, there's no doubt, if you're growing your business, and especially if you're taking a leap in your business, you will have to find other people to take you on that journey. Right. There's a, there was a great saying that I seen at the end of the Super Bowl last year and the guy asked him, why did you get Tom Brady? Why did you bring him in? Why did you take that after being so many years with the Patriots? How did you manage to get him here? And Joe Glazier says, my old man taught me something when I was very, very young. He says, if you're going on a journey and you think it could be hazardous, take someone with you who's already been in that journey. <laughs> I think that's a great answer, Willie. Yeah. So hopefully that answers the question. Tom, I'm absolutely delighted that we're finding that more and more and more people are listening to us in podcasts. Well, I think the great thing about the podcast is you listen to it when it suits you. We go out as live on a Sunday morning, but that doesn't suit everybody. So you decide when you listen to the Go Radio Business Show. Yeah, and we just ask the listeners who are listening to the podcast if they could hit the subscribe button. It helps us build a picture, you know, on whatever platform that you're using it. We're absolutely delighted that the numbers are, are increasing week on week. So thank you for that. And by hitting the subscribe button, it helps us build the picture. And like any other business, Willie, we're driven by data. We want to know what our customers think, what they like, what they don't like. So wherever you get your podcast, click the button and thank you very much. Tell your pals to listen to the Go Radio Business Show podcast. The Go Radio Business Show with Workflow Solutions. Helping your business with document management, print and IT solutions. Go.